Hey guys, I just want to tell you a little bit about our Podcasts app which is now live on the App Store. It's the world's first audio-driven app for experiencing medicine. Every week you can step into the shoes of doctors with an engaging case and quiz. Download now and have a look for yourself. Let's get back to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week we've got another special guest joining with us. I'd like to introduce you all to Dr. Tom Watchman, who as many of you may know is the founder of Zero to Finals, who has an impressive accolade of achievements. His YouTube channel has more than 150,000 subscribers. He's got an amazing book and most recently launched a bunch of medical flashcards. It's an absolute privilege. Welcome to the show, Tom. How are Hi. you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm doing good. So, we know you've done wonderful, remarkable things now. You're super popular. I always go on Instagram and I see a lot of students using your textbook to help them pass finals. But we want to take it to the very beginning, back when Tom was young. Uh, tell us the moment when you started this journey of pursuing medicine or when you thought, do you know what, I want to become a medic. Yeah, that's going back a while. I guess um, I was probably about 16. But I'll tell you the story a little bit. Um, Actually, you know when you choose your GCSEs, your, your, you make your choices about what subjects you're going to do at GCSE. I actually wasn't that keen on science, and I put down art as my subject. But it happened oh, wow. to be that art was uh, oversubscribed, so they sat me down and convinced me um, that I wasn't that good at art, and actually I should do science. Um, so I did triple sciences, and I guess that was probably the first step in terms of you know these coincidences in life that turn out to make huge differences down the road yeah um, and then so i did triple science and uh, i wasn't really sure what i was going to do uh, when i when i grew up i had a number of different ideas um at one stage i wanted to be a ski instructor even though i've only been skiing once in my life um and i've had various ideas over the years but i had a friend actually called matthew kimberley who uh, actually ended up writing a book with at one stage and he wanted to be a doctor and I was kind of competitive as you are when you're sort of like 14, 15, 16 years old and I thought, you know what, if he wants to be a doctor, um, I'll be a doctor as well and I'll show him that oh I can do it. <laughs> Please tell me you didn't become a doctor out of competitive race. That's that type A personality <laughs> coming out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think he, he we, we've always had a bit of a competition um, between me and him over the years. Um, and yeah. I always thought, you know what, if you aim kind of high um, and try and get into medical school, then you can probably fall back on some other ideas. And the other thing that I really wanted to do was be a teacher. Um, that was kind of my backup plan if I didn't get into medical school. And it turns out my mum was quite good at um, making things happen. So she started actually looking at what needed to be done to get into medical school. I was a clueless teenager, so I got to give her a lot of credit in terms of actually doing all the organization and um, pointing me in the direction of volunteer work and things like that, that you have to do to get into your, you know, to get through your applications. And um, before I knew it, I was uh, doing all these things, then ended up with an interview and uh, or two interviews and then ended up getting a place and then ended up on the medical school course. So that's pretty much how it happened. I kind of mm. cluelessly found my way into medicine. That's really interesting. So your mother took the role up as a mentor. Um, she sort of guided you into it, isn't it? Yeah, in a sense. I mean, she had no experience of 
um, medicine or getting anyone into medical school but um, she was yeah like a mentor I guess and always looking out mm. for me and making sure that if I wanted to get into medicine I couldn't just apply it was one of those things where you have to get work experience you have to get some volunteer work you have to get all these other things and she kind of pushed me that you know you have to do these things if you want to mm. apply and that you know mm. made me do those things and then that's how I ended up in medical school I definitely wouldn't be in medical school if if it wasn't for her well I may have done really it awesome. 10 years down the yeah. line but um but at the actual time no definitely needed that help that's amazing and so I know you're a GP working in Greater Manchester tell us about med school where did you go to med school um, and how that experience was for you kind of that transition from A levels to preclinical and then free preclinical to clinical mm. Uh, so I went to medical school in Manchester University, um, which I think is great. I've actually got three degrees now from Manchester University, so I'm, I'm a big fan and I still live in mm. Manchester. But oh, yeah. um, I grew up in London and I didn't like London very much. Um, I Oh, what? Why? Well, I have we're, a whole... We're both born and brought up in London. We love it, you know, with zeal in our hearts. Detail us. <laughs> I won't go into too much detail about why I don't like London. <laughs> Um, but anyway, w w uh, I guess, yeah, you asked about A-levels. I mm. found A-levels were quite straightforward, actually, once you mm. figured out, especially for science and maths, that the same questions come up on the papers year after year. I don't know if it's the same now, but back when I did it, I realized that if I just download all of the past papers and learn all the answers to the questions um, and read through the you know, the, the guidebook that gets you through the paper, you can practically get 100% on all your tests without actually doing a crazy amount of work. Um, mm. So I found A-levels quite straightforward once I'd figured that out. Um, so I, I, I kind of like sussed the A-level system, did well in my A-levels and then turned up to university. Mm. And then I found that transition a bit of a struggle because medical school is very different to A-levels in that there is no real past papers um, they can ask you about anything really um, I did a PBL course at Manchester so it was very much self-directed learning without a, a massive amount of structure which meant that when the exam came round it always seemed like I'd revised the wrong things or there was a there were large gaps in my knowledge that I hadn't even realized that I didn't know about um, and so there was a bit of a struggle there, actually, uh, and that was the case in preclinical years, probably made worse by the fact that I was trying to do so many extracurricular things like, um, you know, playing basketball, um, yeah. going to the gym excessively, seeing lots of friends, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then clinical years probably was even less um, directed in a sense. You kind of turn up to placements and you get a bit of teaching here and there. And it's kind of coincidence what you come across on the wards or what you come across in your teaching. Um, yeah. And there may be large gaps in your knowledge without any clear direction of where you go. So again, that was a bit of a struggle. Um, and I guess uh, being like most medics, I was quite ambitious and wanted to do well in my exams. So I felt a bit frustrated about that, particularly as A-level seemed so straightforward to me and then medical school seemed I was a bit lost. Um, mm. Regardless, I still passed all my exams and things, but but I always felt a bit unsatisfied. And I felt like there was a resource out there that could solve a lot of these problems. Uh, it just didn't exist yet. Um, so 
the whole way through medical school, I kind of had this idea, like, I really wish there was this one place where you could go where there was a direction and it took you through everything step by step and simplified it. Because medicine didn't seem that hard to me. It just seemed like there was a massive amount to learn, not a lot mm. of time to learn it. And you could feel a bit lost a lot of the time. So I guess that was kind of the the idea of um, zero to finals. But mm. I'm getting off track. I forgot what your question was now. No, that's fine. We just, no. and I think you've answered it. It's we just wanted to know the transition of A level, studying and revising, and then suddenly jumping into med school. And like a lot of our previous guests and a lot of medics, it's it's a whole different world. And mm. it's and you can imagine medics by nature they've they've smashed their GCSEs. They've done really well in A levels, and suddenly they come into med school, and they like a small fish in a big pond again. And everyone's super smart. Everyone's super competitive. Um, and it's you don't know you can't make heads or tails of it you're struggling to kind of get the content mm. um, and I agree with you it's not necessarily hard it's just sometimes there is a lack of direction and there is just a sheer bulk of content mm. to learn um, and it, a question for you Tom how did you go about so adapting to all of those challenges that came your way uh, that's a very good question um, I think I did spend a lot of my time thinking about um, how it was most efficient to learn and how I could learn effectively. I remember um, I looked up to a guy in the year. Of, I was always very interested in the other students in medicine who were doing really well because I couldn't seem to crack that code about, you know, how they were achieving what they were doing. And, uh, you know, naturally, I think a lot of them were quite secretive. And, you know, this is my secret source. I'm not going to let it out the bag. I'm not going to tell you how I do this. Um, but there was one guy in the year above who, or a couple years above actually, called Tom Gedman, who um, I looked up to because he always did very well in exams. And he was a couple years ahead of me. Um, I remember having a chat with him at the end of my first year uh, about how to do these things. Um, and he pointed me in the direction of mind maps and some of the other, and testing yourself and, and some of the other techniques. Um, but I was on a constant quest throughout medical school to try and figure out how best to learn, how to be the most efficient, um, how to, you know, do well in exams, how to gain as much experience in the shortest amount of time as possible, which you kind of need to do in medicine, really. There's no way around it. And I actually did a uh, psychology degree after my third year of university. And the whole point of me doing a psychology degree was to figure out how to learn better. How can I learn mm. things quicker? Um, how can I retain things for a longer amount of time? And I chose all my subjects in that um in the degree like focused on memory and focused on uh, learning and things like that because that's what I was particularly interested in and mm. um, so really it's been a constant um, constantly striving and trying to learn how how to be more efficient with learning on that point have you written blogs uh, podcast episodes on that because I want to know how to learn better how to memorize better all of that <laughs> yeah, um, th that's a good question. I I try initially zero to finals. I was going to put a blog on there, uh, yeah, to cover this topic. I actually wrote a book with um, Matthew Kimberley, who I mentioned earlier, called The Medicine okay. Manual. And this was my attempt in my FY two year to get something started, um, where we talk about how to learn medicine as efficiently as possible. So the mm. whole book's about that. It's a it's a Kindle ebook. I think it costs maybe like a pound or something on the Kindle store. Um, awesome. 
and uh, so that's a good place to start and i've actually just started a youtube channel if you go to youtube and search tom watchman um it's me talking about well the the plan is to talk about all of these tips and tricks for learning medicine more efficiently and how to get the most out of your time and energy and how how to reduce your stress as well because it's stressful trying to learn all of this stuff if you can do it easier it'll reduce your stress it'll give you more time to do other things like hang out with friends and family and and pursue extracurricular activities. There's so many benefits to doing it more efficiently. Absolutely. I think everyone goes through that same sort of um, learning where they jump from A-levels to university and everyone goes through that experience of, oh my God, how do I learn medicine? How do I learn from lectures? And it's all self-directed and it's all, when I'm on placement, it's all coincidental who I come across, what patients I come across. And I think what's key is, we always bang on about it on every single episode. It's almost mentorship is so important. So when you were applying to medicine, um, your mother took up that role. And when you got into medicine, you found another student who was doing amazingly well and pointed you in the right direction. Um, so I think any knowledge that can be passed down to us, to me, to Abdul, would be absolutely amazing. And I'd be an absolute... I'm, I'm a subscriber now. I just need to find your channel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> so kind of moving on through that med school experience um tell us how it was towards the end of it when you're gearing up for foundation training what was your kind of mentality and logic in terms of where you're going to apply where you're starting to think about certain specialties because uh, i feel in this moment some of lost my listeners are in that exact phase where come summer they're going to be mm. you know the fresh new um f1s um on the shop floor to say so kind of walk us through that experience and how it was for you mm. i think one of the things about medical school is once you get into medical school um, and you start your first year provided you get through all of your exams uh, you don't have to think very much about what happens next your career mm -hmm. is almost set for you and i think the next big question mark um, about what you do is after foundation year two training that's kind of the, the yeah. first time you actually have to mm. think about what you want to do whether you apply for specialty training or gp training so my transition from medical school to applying to foundation training was quite straightforward really i knew um that i wanted to stay in manchester because i like manchester a lot and my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife was still a medical student so I couldn't exactly leave her and go somewhere else. <laughs> um, so I knew I was going to apply to Manchester. So it, it, that process actually was quite uneventful for me. It was just a case of mm. going through the application process and putting down the Manchester hospitals and working out, you know, what's not too far away and what's within reach yeah. and what can I get with my scores and things like that. For you, you knew you wanted to stay in Manchester. You had your partner there at the time. So you're a fully qualified GP now. At what point did you realize you wanted to become a GP? And I want to touch on this for a bit because there is this notion throughout med school, even as an F1 and F2, when you're in these acute medical, acute surgical wards where like being a GP seemed like a lesser specialty. It seemed a bit of a cop-out and, you know, we'd have patients be like, oh, this GP did such a bad job, you know, kind of tell us if, you experienced that and what made you commit to pursuing GP training? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we can we can talk about this for a while. Um, I got a lot to say on this topic, really. 
And uh, we were talking briefly um, before the podcast started about this topic. Mm. And, you know, um, I I do have a vivid memory in medical school of, I think it was my first or second year, where they they said that something like 80% of you will become GPs. And I think everybody in the room thought, oh, no, that's for the average people. I'm going to be a special person who becomes a specialist and uh, goes mm. on to achieve great things, not just a regular old GP. And then yeah, everyone kind of, literally looks around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's probably going to be you. Not, not gonna yeah, <laughs> literally. And um, you kind of go through, I, I remember my, even going back to um, my, you know, I told you about my friend Matt, who inspired mm. me to go into medicine. I remember he wanted to be a surgeon. And at the same time, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to be a surgeon. (laughs) So it was this thing of like, yeah, that's the ultimate goal of uh, the top accomplishment that you can get to. Yeah. Mm. Um, And so this sits with you through the whole of medical school, really, which I think is a real shame because uh, GP is so amazing for so many reasons, which we can talk about. And Mm. then um, so what happened to me? I started foundation training. And my first job was medicine, and uh, it was quite a brutal job. But I, I still liked medicine as a topic, I, and obviously I love learning. Um, so mm. I thought I was going to go on to become a physician, specialize in maybe endocrinology, um, okay. and had this in my mind. But at the same time, I was thinking, gosh, this uh, this is kind of brutal, and I don't know if I can, if, if I enjoy it, if I enjoy you know, the on-calls and the hospital Mm. environment enough for this to be my life for the next uh, 30 years or so. Um, But I stuck with it and I thought, you know, I'm going to be a a medic. And then I went on to orthopedics and thought I'm going to be a medic. And then I went on to pediatrics and thought, oh, maybe I do pediatric specialist training. I really (laughs) like pediatrics. Um, And then my next job after that, my first job of F2 was general practice. Um, Mm. And I went from the hospital environment where it's really hard to organize leave it's um hard to get a lot of stuff done the the it systems are are not great and you spend a lot of time doing Mm. like admin stuff which is kind of a waste of time really it could be so much slicker um and then um i started general practice and uh, i started at um a really good gp practice which i actually chose to do my gp training in it because Mm -hmm. uh, i enjoyed it so much and suddenly um, my eyes were opened really um, yeah first of all these GPS were just really friendly and they just seemed to have a lot of time and and they were caring and nurturing and they were interested in me and and uh, yeah. interested in you know the patients on a sort of more of a uh, one-to-one level and this oh I know this family I know this person mm. oh we follow this person up this person has these problems um, yeah which just seemed really nice and uh, they were all sort of like drinking cups of tea and um, doing like, <laughs> happy, friendly things. And they would shut the surgery down on, the, on a Wednesday evening once a month. And everyone, the whole team would get together with the secretaries and receptionists. Yeah. And um, everybody seemed on the same level. Uh, there wasn't so much of a hierarchy. And all mm. these things just made me feel like, wow, this is a really nice environment. It's really friendly mm. and, and caring yeah. and nurturing and holistic and all the things that that immediately appealed to me um and then as the placement went on i kind of realized all the other benefits um i guess one of the things would be that one of the gps at that practice 
was really uh, interested in business, was absolutely mm-hmm. um, a businessman at heart and interested in setting up services and organizing services and, and having different things commissioned and using funds and yeah. really innovating mm. and putting in new exciting projects to improve patient care and patient flow and all these different things. Um, mm. And I was assigned to him. He was my trainer. And uh, I, I, I just found it fascinating, like all these different business things he's doing, going to meetings and and commi- uh, talking to the CCG and uh, running the LMC and all these different things. Mm. Um, and it just seemed very exciting. Plus, at the same time, he was doing seeing patients every day and mm. uh, doing various other roles. So it just seemed like there was such a breadth of things that you could do in general practice. Equally, yeah. it wasn't just him at the practice. It was other GPs who were, you know, some of them were really into patient care and really cared about the patient, you know, like uh, um, really cared about seeing patients and doing a great job, which was nice. And, uh, you know, like that appealed to me in a doctor sense of, of things. Um, and then there were other GPs who were really interested in education and I was really interested in that. So suddenly I thought, wow, th- this is a whole new world of opportunity here mm. outside yeah, of the absolutely. hospital where you just do your hospital job all the time and you just run your mm. clinic list and you just do your ward rounds and there doesn't seem to be anything else that you do. Suddenly here were these mm. GPs doing loads of things and ch- kind of changing the world, which mm. to me, I couldn't really see how to do that from in, inside of the hospital system because yeah. you're constricted by so many things. And then all these GPs were out there actually making big changes and commissioning different services and, and doing huge things. And it got me really, really excited about general practice. Um not to mention all the other benefits like being able to see patients much quicker and efficiently, really practicing medicine in terms of the patient turns up with a presenting complaint and mm. you're there on your own in a room without any tests or anything and you have to use all of your skills to, to figure out what's going on um, without the support of having the nurse doing this and the, the consultant doing the post tape board round and blah, 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 blah. Um, mm. So... Yeah, just the whole thing really excited me. And that, that got me thinking about general practice as a career. And it wasn't until later that, that, that all the other possibilities and all the other ideas came came to light, really. Mm. Do, do you think there's a, a personality trait for those who become a GP? Because when you say when you look at your medical schooling years or your pre-medical school years, there seems to be this desire, you said you wanted to also be a teacher at the same time. And when I look at general practitioners, I see teachers, I see entrepreneurs, I see people who have different passions. Um, they're, they're authors, they're avid sports players and so forth. Do you think there's a, a personality trait to this? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I guess the question is, one of the questions is, do people become holistic and well-rounded as a result of being gps or is that the kind of person that becomes gps Um, yeah i guess so Mm. i guess that's one question to be honest for me general practice seems like the best of all worlds and Mm. regardless of what you're interested in you can pursue it in general practice um which Mm. i don't know that is always the case in uh, specialty training i mean 
Mm. Absolutely, people need to go into specialty training, and we need specialists, and we need the people yeah, who are really uh, obsessed with what they do. We need people who are obsessed with operating and becoming the best surgeons in the world, and we need people yeah. who love delivering babies and and giving the best uh, antenatal care and and so on and so forth. We definitely need those specialists. But having said that, um, general practice. We also need Tom's. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, having said that, if um, if if anyone's lost about what to do, I don't mm. think it matters what their personality trait is. General practice offers you something. So if you're like yeah. me and you're obsessed with teaching, there's so many opportunities and. I actually, I actually didn't realize how many opportunities there were before I qualified as a GP. There were, it became apparent there were even more after qualification. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, you can work two days a week as a GP and three days a week at the university teaching, or <clears throat> teach on the GP training program. There's unlimited opportunities yeah. to teach. But if you don't like teaching and you just love seeing patients, I've got a friend called Haida who just, he just loves being a GP. And uh, I yeah. have no doubt he's a, a, an amazing GP, and he just loves seeing patients all the time, and um, and and working all the time as a GP. He just loves it. Um, no. and then you've got That's other pe- people who are, like really love business, like this uh, GP I was talking about before, and um, can can really pursue their business interests as a GP. Um, no. There's other people Definitely. who love doing, you know, just want to spend all their time cycling, and you can work. Mm. Three, two or three days a week as a GP and spend the rest of your life cycling. It, it off, no. literally offers you everything. Um, no. Or you can yes. you can even become a specialist. Let's say you you uh, really love women's health. You can become mm-hmm. a GP with a specialist interest in women's health and, and do mm-hmm. that all the time. There's so no. many options. Definitely. And I think that is the beauty of GP and it's why it seems so... Uh, we were so inclined towards it. It just allows you to do things outside of medicine while at the same time continue being a doctor. Whereas similar to you, when I saw a lot of the doctors or hospital specialists, I thought that a lot of their time, energy and efforts were in the hospital and they had very little time to do things outside of it. Um, Which kind of brings me on to the next point. Um, I know you've talked about education and you always kind of try to figure out the most efficient and best way to learn, even having done a psychology degree Kind of tell us the story of zero to finals i know it's done so well today a lot of people are using your resources um tell us how it really started and because there is an element of entrepreneurship within it and i know a lot of medics are involved in this type of stuff tell us some of the difficulties and obstacles you had to face with it um all while you know doing your gp training and being a gp um so that'd be great if you could share that with us tom yeah of course um i think what zero to finals looks like now is kind of hard to believe for me actually um it looks very different to how it started and i don't know (laughs) i would be amazed if any of your (laughs) listeners or anyone out there was using zero to finals um to start with Mm -hmm. i'll tell you the story about how it came up i guess i talked a bit about my experience in medical school and feeling like there was this resource uh that should be out there that was that didn't exist yet and my goal was really to build something like that i had this idea that i really wanted to create something that filled that gap um so 
in my final year when getting started for my final exams um i was a bit directionless and didn't know where to go and i've i'd heard about this course called ask dr clark i don't know if anyone's come across it or either of you have come across it no um, but he runs this, I don't know if he still do, does it, but at the time he was running these courses um, at the BMA in London where he would get some, I don't know, 300 people or something in a room and just give lectures for two days straight to try and cover everything you needed to know for the finals. And it, mm. he doesn't cover everything you need to know, but he, he really nicely summarizes some of the very key points, like key points in cardiology, mm. the key points in renal medicine and so on. And he gives you a book that, that has some some notes in it and that gave me a structure for uh, starting my final examination uh, preparations and then I built on top of that by getting notes from various different places like almost a doctor um, OSCE stop various other like online resources and then where I couldn't find any notes on a topic I'd make some brief notes myself mm. so I put together this massive folder that I used to prepare for finals um, and uh created questions for myself and and stuff like that and uh, got through my final exams and I thought well I had to do all this work to put all of these different things together um wouldn't it be nice if it was kind of already built for you and you didn't have to go through this process of collecting all these things from different places yeah. and I really wanted to create this resource obviously create it from scratch not just you mm. know put put out the notes that I'd already collected together um, and I had a couple of goes at it during my foundation training um, and didn't get very far basically because foundation training is pretty tough and there's not a whole lot of spare time. And even mm. if you've got spare time, there's not a whole lot of spare energy and energy, energy yeah. to, to create mm. these things. Um, so what I did was I took some time off after, I guess similar to you guys with Scrubbed In, after foundation mm. training, I just said, I'm going to take like three, four months off and create zero to finals. And um, mm. and then it will be done and I won't have to do anything more on it. Three months of my own time and I, I'll, I'll be able to change the world. Um, <laughs> so I sat in the, uh, in the university library creating these things for three or four months and uh, didn't get very far. Actually, if you go mm. on the zero to finals website and you go onto the surgery section, they're still the original notes that I created at that point, which was about five mm. years ago. Oh, wow. Um, so, so what, really what were you trying to create in this moment in time, Tom, so that our listeners have an understanding? Was it you were trying to create like a booklet or some sort of website or a guide? What was it you were trying to create? Yeah, all I wanted to do was create a website that had um, all the notes that you needed for your final exams on it. That was what I was trying to create, really. And then I uh, wanted to create a question bank as well that that tested your knowledge on all of those notes that I'd created. And the question yeah. bank on Zero to Finals is still the original one that I built at that point. Um, mm. So they, 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 they both desperately need updating, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then essentially what happened was um, over the next four or five years uh, well then then during that year i got sidetracked with locuming and then did a bit of traveling and then when i got mm. back i said you know what for gp training i'm gonna really hit this hard and spend all my spare time creating zero to final stuff so that's essentially what i did every morning i would get up at 
like 5 a.m go straight to the hospital and then sit and work for a couple of hours on my laptop and then go to work and then on the way home i would stop off at a coffee shop and do a bit more work and then the weekends i would just go to coffee shops or somewhere else and work on zero to finals when i wasn't revising for exams or something Mm. else Um, and just did that for for three years really and then just recently finished gp training in august and and it's got to where it is but i can share some 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 lessons along the way if if that's helpful yeah please do i think probably the number one lesson that i would give to anyone who's trying to achieve something like this is um, be patient because it takes a long time and a lot of work but it's doable Um, Mm. and consistency is key just doing a little bit continuously and it will add up and i heard somebody say i can't remember where i heard this but people overestimate what they can achieve in one year and they underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years and i think about that a lot i really should figure out where that's from but that really (laughs) applies to zero to finals where i think to myself right next month i'm gonna have the surgery book written the obs and gyne audiobook recorded a couple more sets of flashcards, a hundred more youtube videos blah 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 Mm. and it's just not realistic but by having patience and just keep working on it over time that builds up to crazy results that i never thought was possible um and nowhere Mm. is that more was that more obvious to me than the uh the medicine book i decided Mm. to write the medicine book and just update the medicine notes on the website um in 2018 and mm. I, I had a week off work and I thought, you know what, this week I'm going to write the book. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me nine months uh, of working like super hard, like the hardest I've ever worked on anything um, before I finished the book. And uh, that was really a test of patience. But, mm. but um, having patience really does um, allow you to achieve things that you didn't think were possible. No, I definitely agree. I think I think it's difficult to be so patient in the world we live in. Everything is instant, isn't it? We we can order on Amazon, it comes tomorrow. We we can search up any answer on the internet and find it instantaneously. And I think that's that is the biggest sort of learning point for all of us on this journey that we all need to be patient to achieve these big lofty goals that we've set. Hmm. Your success is an absolute testament to it. Mm. yeah it's it's so true and i suffer with that just as much as anybody else you know like you get used to everything being instant oh i just want to eat now i'll just get delivery and it'll be with me yeah Yeah, exactly but but when you sit down to write a book you you (laughs) sit down thinking oh i'm gonna smash this out in 10 minutes i'm gonna have the book done (laughs) Um, especially when you look at other people's success or you look at let's say somebody who's made a video or created something else because you see the end product it looks easy but yeah um having patience and just realizing that you know when i was making the flashcards you see the product Mm. the final product now of 150 flashcards and think oh yeah that looks uh that looks like it was really easy but each flashcard took sometimes like three four five hours to make each one um so and and while you're actually making it that's not 
that's not like five hours of adrenaline and excitement. That's five hours of sitting there, like staring at the screen while you slowly yeah. keep correcting mistakes over and over again. And mm. and there sometimes it feels like you're not getting anywhere, but those are the times where you need to just keep going because mm. great results will be on the other side. No, definitely. And tell us about the YouTube channel. Um, I, I think you've probably seen the trend of a lot of medical or healthcare professionals setting out their own YouTube channel. Um, I saw a post when you reached 100k subs, then you've told me you've just reached more than 150k subs. That is 150,000 people. Um, how did you grow it? How, what techniques did you use? And uh, Kind of tell us that process because it's all new and uh, a lot of medical students are embarking on their own journey and you've even started your own personal channel. So tell us how that came about. Um, you know, did you see that YouTube is another platform for learning? and and where you want to take it yeah so this is the zero to finals youtube channel um mm. i think i started that probably around the same time uh, as zero to finals just a few months later and i put up a couple of videos i would say that um again it's a game of patience and i didn't use any particular hacks or tricks or anything like that i just simply uploaded videos that i thought would be useful to people mm -hmm. um, and i think that's a, another principle i would come back to anyone who's starting a business or trying to create something just figure out what would be useful to people and what 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 people are looking for what what problem people have that you can solve for them and uh, so that was the aim with the YouTube channel was let's just create videos of topics like JVP or mm -hmm. um, uh, or the dexamethasone suppression test where it's just a bit complicated and you don't really understand it. It still confuses me till today. I'm going to be <laughs> yeah, honest yeah. and put my hands up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I had an endocrine job as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, maybe you should check out the video. <laughs> no, no, <I'm> <laughs> so, um, yeah, how can I just simplify these things and make it easier for people to understand them? How can I be useful, basically? That, that's pretty mm. much the the guiding principle there. And this is similar with Zero to Finals, uh, like the website. Before I launched the medicine book on the website, uh, which mm. was, I think, June 2019, the website was getting like 10 visitors a day. So basically nobody. And today mm. it gets, I don't know, three and a half thousand people a day come to the website. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and that was three years after I created it. And the yeah. same is true of YouTube. I, I created a bunch of videos and nothing would happen. Nobody would watch them. I'd get maybe a hundred or sometimes 400 views. Um, mm. nothing would happen for a long long time and I think it took me maybe three or three and a half years to get to a thousand subscribers and oh, then wow. um, and then the next uh, to get to 10,000 was quicker than that and then to get to a hundred thousand was quicker than that and I got mm. to a hundred thousand in maybe September I think and now yeah, I'm at 150,000 yeah. so it's it's very very exponential it's exponential but yeah and I think nothing happens for ages and then it suddenly no. explodes nothing that's 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 the i don't think it's a trick but it's you just have to wait for that exponential jump and when it does jump it feels as if it was an overnight success 
and mm. and like you mentioned persistence being patient being consistent and more importantly i think you should find a problem or give a value driven solution or a product which is what you're doing like i've seen your flashcards i've seen your videos i've listened to your podcasts it's the way you break things down you do it in a, such a simple way um, i think that's what it is and i think consistently putting out value there and it's just a matter of time that it does suddenly pop off or becomes very um you know, what we call like an overnight success so mm-hmm. no definitely I, I think that the fact that you have to be patient and so consistent also shows that you love it and it mm. shows that it's it's something that you are so you are an educator you simply love teaching and i think all of it's just like the surrounding decoration and the golden nuggets that come along with being a passionate educator um yeah so yeah absolutely. being consistent threads out your so, your passions definitely and it yeah. kind of brings us to to the next question um because I'm conscious of time and I know we've been super stingy with your time um what do you see happening with zero to finals over the next five years because we know time is key so what do you want to see what would be the dream in five years time if I were to have another recording with you and be like hey Tom what have you done in the last five years so where do you want to see zero to finals going it's a good question um I think I would link that back to what you said a few minutes ago which is that um I love uh, educating, that's my passion. And mm-hmm. um, at the minute I work two days a week as a GP and I work five days a week on zero to finals. And I nice. feel like I work two days a week. I feel like I'm living the dream because mm-hmm. the days when I'm working on zero to finals, it doesn't feel like work to me. It's just exciting and fun and, and um, I'm getting to do exactly what I want to do. Um, yeah. So at the moment i'm really living the dream and i get to create zero to final stuff all day every day which is exactly what i want to be doing and i don't have any clear visions actually for five years time and the reason is that every six months or so the direction of zero to finals changes i do Mm -hmm. have a vision for creating a set of books that really Mm -hmm. covers everything so I want to create the surgery book next and then a book mm. called More Topics. Or the name might mm. change, which has psychiatry and pharmacology and and uh, palliative care and, and various mm. other specialties in there, statistics, so that everything's covered for finals. Then mm. I want to put out a revision book that basically covers everything in one book, but very, very succinctly. Yeah. Um, but I had this vision... Uh, six months ago and then I had the ideas for the flashcards and I went on off on a tangent and just put four months of solid work into creating the flashcards so Mm. these different ideas can pop up out of nowhere Um, Mm. the same sort of thing happened with the podcast which is now massively popular Um, Mm. I want to put a lot more effort into YouTube because I think I've neglected that for a while and Mm. uh, so really my plan for the next five years is just to keep working all the time and keep trying mm. to produce as much useful stuff as possible and trying to create ultimately, I think the ultimate vision is to have one resource that contains everything, um, mm. all the key facts and guidelines and everything that you need to prepare for medical exams. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'll never be able to replace experience on the ward, clinical experience, mm. face-to-face teaching, OSCE teaching, you know, I'll mm. never be able to replace this, but I'd love to have one place where 
if you just want to know the core stuff for medicine you can find it all in one place and and i have a vision for for getting there that's the plan no that sounds amazing i wouldn't be surprised if there becomes a zoo final med school because you're <laughs> such an amazing educator and, and and i know he's probably on the deal and you you, you know you're just working on it behind the scenes <laughs> it's gonna be like a, an online academy in, in you but, gotta invite us to the board yeah, though that's the deal but, <laughs> no i think it's amazing with what you're doing and like you're genuine and you're passionate and when we do pick guests that we do want to come on to the show we want to get people that are medical you know doctors dentists health professionals but also have something on the side that they really love and enjoy um and there's a lot of lessons and learning you can get um from that um mm. the way we like to end it is from your career so far haven't gone through gp training haven't gone through um, med school built up zero to finals from scratch is something quite renowned now what advice would you give to all the other aspiring entrepreneurs aspiring gps um, so that it would be a nice way to end this show. Uh, I'll separate that into the aspiring entrepreneurs and then the and aspiring GPs, and then yeah. the the ambitious doctors, shall we say? Mm. So, firstly, for the inspiring uh, aspiring entrepreneurs, I think the the first thing that comes to mind for me now is create entrepreneurship allows you to create a playground for you to do exactly what you want to do. Um, so if you can figure out how you can bring other people value and um, solve other people's problems through doing something that you love doing, you can create a, a playground for yourself to, to do what you love and experiment on things that you love. Like I always loved uh, illustration and uh, animation, video making, um, I love learning medicine creating questions um, all of these sort of creative things and I create and having zero to finals allowed me to create a playground where I can do all of these things and they'll be useful to other people and if you're um, an aspiring entrepreneur I, I guess I would say the same thing is figure out what you love doing and figure out how you can use that passion to solve other people's problems or do mm -hmm. something to be useful for other people in terms of the ambitious doctors, I think one, just to keep it very simple, I'd give you one, um, one tip, which I, I don't know whether you'll hear this very many places, but that's mm -hmm. once you finish medical school, figure out a way that you can keep learning um, and that forces you to keep your knowledge up to date and keep learning. Um, yeah. And I did that through signing up for different exams. And uh, I did like a master's in medical education and, and the MRCP exams and, and various different other things. But I think that even though that's been quite tough and challenging, I would say that's been super valuable in so many different ways because I've met loads of new people through it. Um, I've It's opened up loads of opportunities for me it's it's mm. improved my cv but also when i see patients on a day-to-day -day basis my knowledge mm. is pretty solid um so mm, yeah. so keep learning after you finish medical school um because uh, it, it can it, your 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 memory and your knowledge will very very quickly disappear and if you if you don't mm. figure out a way to keep challenging yourself keep setting yourself new goals you can become stagnant things can get a bit boring and and you can your knowledge will slowly seep away. 
Absolutely. And yeah. consider general practice. <laughs> general, general practice is. <laughs> I think we could have a whole podcast episode just talking about general I practice. We should. We should. Um, but that last piece of advice, it, it kind of resonated with me, and I am a victim of it. It's as soon as you pass med school, you get through F one and F two, and you don't necessarily need to sit any exams. And you're right. You slowly do feel all that knowledge is going away, um, and it just forcing yourself or putting yourself in those environments where you are challenging yourself where it may be uncomfortable does i believe make you a better clinical doctor develops your clinical acumen um and i think that is a, it's a good piece of advice actually um so i can only echo that um tom we're conscious of time and it's been a massive massive pleasure um, i know we've been scheduling and rescheduling this to do it for a while now but i do think that what you've said is massively beneficial and a yeah. lot of people can um, resonate with it and get some benefit from it. So I want to thank you once again, Tom, and a massive thank you to our listeners, um, as always. But it's been a pleasure, mate. Yeah, thank you so much, Amazon Abdul. It's, it's been uh, really enjoyable. And thank you for creating this podcast and putting out these really useful things for, for people. Uh, no, I wish you all been... the success in the future. And um, I'm more than happy to come back and do another episode on anything, no, whenever you like. No. No. De- we'll definitely take you up definitely. on that. Thanks. And we'll be seeing a scrubbed in and zero to finance collaboration, I'm sure. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, for sure. <laughs> Thanks again, Tom. No problem. Thank you.